Today's reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretan and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord. Good, uh, good morning, church. Uh, let me just uh, start off by saying uh, from, from where I sit and just the ears that are on my head, I hear Laurel. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know kind of where you are. I don't mean to cause trouble, but that's, that's the size of it. Uh, my, my name is Matthew Watson. I serve as the pastor here at Christ City Church. And I just want to say that, I'm, that I am really glad that you are here, especially if you're here for the first time. We know that it can uh, actually, uh, you know, it could just be intimidating and a little nerve-wracking to, to step into a new church and uh, to find your way here. And so just want to say thank you for, uh, for your courage to, to come and to join us here this morning and uh, really pray that you uh, experience welcome here. For those of you uh, for whom Christ City is your church uh, family uh, of faith, I just want to say welcome back. Um, it's an act of beauty for us to gather each and every week uh, to remind one another of God's promises and God's love displayed in Christ Jesus. So however it is that you've made your way here, just want to say welcome and that I'm, I'm glad you're here. Today is actually a celebration in the life of the global church. It is uh, Pentecost Sunday on the Christian calendar. Um, I'm going to explain a little bit about what that is here in a bit. Here at Christ City Church, we're a, we're a non-denominational church, and it's probably even better to say, more, more right to say, that we're an interdenominational church. Over the years, we have received uh, support from Baptist denominations and Reformed churches. We've received coaching and encouragement from Anabaptists, which are the pacifist stream of the Christian family. Uh, we've been influenced by uh, Catholic writers. Some of us on staff and elders, we come from charismatic and Pentecostal backgrounds as well as Presbyterian uh, backgrounds. And um, our aim as a church uh, is to really honor the beautiful aspects of the many parts of our Christian family uh, and to sort out what, how we take those parts and form them into Christ City Church in 21st century Washington, D.C., and there are times, uh, today being one of them, where we want to pay attention, even as a really young church, to pay attention to the ancient traditions of our faith as a way to remember that we're not the first ones to think these thoughts, we're not the first ones to preach these sermons, we're not the first ones to sing these songs, and neither are we the first ones to wrestle uh, with the angst of issues of faith that weigh on us given our contemporary context. So we're not the first ones on the scene, and the way that we do that is to remember that there are others, there are forefathers and foremothers in our spirit 
spiritual family that have gone before us that can bring to bear uh, uh, tools for us as we try to walk faithfully with Jesus. And so today in the church and around the city and around the world, the church is celebrating an event called Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is a celebration when the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and began to indwell those first disciples. Uh, the passage that was read from Acts 2, it describes what took place. Now, um, Pentecost is, is thought of as the birthday of the church uh, because it was the event um, uh, that took place in Acts 2 that really began to trigger the birth and the, the, the flourishing of the New Testament church. Um, now, before we go deeper into uh, the story of Pentecost in Acts 2, which I want to get to in, in just a bit, I want you to think back to um, uh, birthdays that you've had, okay? So I want you to think back, your birthdays, some of you have had lots of them, others of you, uh, most of you, not, not, not too many, glad for all of them. Uh, but I want you to think about what was your favorite birthday present, okay? Whenever you were growing up, what was your favorite birthday present that you ever received? Got it? You thinking about it? Got it? Good. Some of you are like, yeah, I don't know. I know exactly what it was. Good. Perfect. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to share what was your favorite birthday present and why that thing. Got it? I'm going to give you like two minutes to do it. All right. Good. Perfect. Go. All right. Good. Let me call us back together. Uh, favorite, uh, favorite birthday present. Uh, somebody over on this side. What was your favorite birthday present? Shout them out to me. Electric guitar. Good. Perfect. I hear that from the back. Excellent. 10-speed bike, great, perfect. What about you guys? Uh, favorite birthday present, what, what, what was shared? Roller skate. Roller skate. Now, inline, or like you had four of them with a little stopper on the inline. Perfect, I'll take those. Great. I may have just dated myself. You're like, what are the, I don't know what you're talking about, four with the stopper on the front. Good. All right, what about over here? Favorite birthday present, what would you come up with? First bike. First bike, another bike. Good. Anything else? My pet monster. I don't even, I don't even know what that is. Mike, what's a my pet monster? Perfect. Good. All right. Wrestling partners. I'll take those too. Good. Uh, back over here. Uh, first, uh, our, uh, favorite birthday present. What did uh, what'd you come up with? Barbie Dreamboat. I love that one. That's good. You guys have been given really good gifts. I, um, I remember uh, this. It actually wasn't a, um, a present for me. It was actually a birthday cake. I was thinking back through it, and it's actually one of my earliest birthday memories. Um, it was a birthday cake that my mom made. It was a, she, she, made it. I should go back and ask her like how she did this. It was in the torso of a person. Um, yeah. And then she had different plastic and, she, and it was all blue, blue icing. And she had these, dip, these plastic little medallions. One was the face of Superman and then another was the S of Superman and she put it on the cake. And I remember thinking, this is absolutely amazing. I'm sure the cake was amazing, but I remember playing with those plastic things for so long. We still, this is when we were still in the projects, and this is one of the first birthday presents that I remember. And even now, as I think back on it, because it was like something that my mom made, but she, but she thought about it. She's like, oh, I like Superman, because, you know, it's, she doesn't like Superman. Like, and I'm going to make this cake. And the thing is with birthdays, it's these places where we gather together and where we give gifts, right? Like even as you think through your birthdays, even, and it's not always like a present, but there's always gifts. When you think about birthdays or, or any, of the, any of the celebrations that you may encounter, whether uh, it, it be anniversaries or whether it be retirement parties or uh, whether it be wedding parties or anything like that, like whenever you think of gatherings and celebrations, there's always a, a collective return, a collective gathering and stories that are told, things that are remembered and gifts that are given. Um, when we look back at the first Pentecost event in the Bible, this is actually what we see as well. We see a gathering. 
We see a gift giving. And then, and then we see a scattering. Um, after Pentecost, we see this ongoing rhythm within the church of celebration, of remembering, of gift giving, and of scattering. And it's this gathering and scattering, this gathering and scattering that continues to be a repetition that starts in, in Pentecost. And a couple of questions that I want us to explore as we look back at Acts 2 uh, this morning is to reflect on the me- and as we reflect on the meaning of Pentecost is to ask these two questions. Why does God gather us and then why does he scatter us? Why does he gather and why, why does he scatter? And look, I'm just going to kind of jump into it rather than waiting for the end to give you what I think is the answer. I'm just going to share it right now. I'll just ask you the question. Now let me tell you what I believe is uh, the answer based on sort of looking at the scripture. Um, I, it seems to me that the, that the reason why we gather, the reason uh, uh, why God gathers is the same reason why we gather to celebrate birthdays or quinceañeras or retirement parties or, or any of or graduations or any of those things. We gather so that we can celebrate what's been done in the past. And we celebrate the accomplishments of the past, but also so that we can remember. And we gather to make new memories as well, and we gather to give and to receive gifts. And so God, too, is a God who gathers. And the reason that he gathers is so that we as his people might celebrate what he has done in the past, the things that he's done for us, the things that he's done in us, the things that he's done through us. We gather so that we can remember the work of Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection. And we also gather to use and to receive gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we make new memories as we do this. Some of my family celebrations, it's not just us gathering together to retell stories and to laugh about things that have happened in the past, but most of the time there's things that happen even in that gathering that we will then talk about the next year. These are gifts that we're giving to one another even as we're gathered. And this seems to be why God gathers as well, so that we can remember and so that we can celebrate. So why does God scatter? He scatters so that those that are scattered can be messengers and his ambassadors of God's work and of God's love and of God's salvation in the world. This is, seems to be why he scatters us. This community that we have as followers of Jesus, it's not meant to be insular or secluded or exclusive. These things that we remember and celebrate when we gather, they aren't only for us. What we know of God, what we have received from the Spirit and what has been displayed to us through the Son, that story is to be shared. And this community of faith is to be one of invitation. The celebrations that we hold and that we inhabit are to be extended to others through our scattering. And the aim of God's gathering and scattering is so that we and others might be made one and made whole in Him. It is so that we might come to understand who we are and what we are made for. You see, God gathers and scatters so that we can participate in his work of right-setting all that has been lost and all that has been broken and all that has been damaged or crushed or oppressed. And that includes us. To use the language that we at Christ City use often, that God gathers us and scatters us as the mechanism by which he works to move his kingdom forward and thereby bring under his rule and reign every life and every sphere of life. Let's look at Acts 2 real quick, and we'll unpack what's going on here and and hopefully make some connections between what God was doing in Acts and what he's been doing all along in the Bible. Uh, Picking up in verse 1 of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed uh, to be tongues of fire that 
separated and came down and rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So the story starts out when the day of Pentecost came, the disciples, is who it's referencing, were all together in one place. And they were all together because it was the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost is actually a Jewish holiday. Pentecost is a Greek translation of the Hebrew word Shavuot. Uh, in English, it's uh, uh, pronounced the, fe it's the Feast of Weeks is the translation. And it marks the beginning of a series of celebrations and sacrifices that Jews made to God in celebration of God's generosity. There's different technicalities and intricacies to it, but Shavuot was essentially a harvest festival designed to recognize that God gives good gifts. And as part of this celebration, it was required for Jews to travel to Jerusalem and make these celebratory sacrifices from the bounty that they'd received from their harvest. And this is why there were Jews there and Jewish converts were there, along with the disciples and why they're all gathered in Jerusalem. And the book of Acts makes a point to highlight that there were people in Jerusalem for every nation under heaven in verse 5. Now, uh, down a few verses, Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts, the same author of the Gospel of Luke, he actually lists some of the places where the peoples had uh, arrived from. Verse 9, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. You see, what um, happens is that all of these people from different ethnic backgrounds, Jews and Jewish converts as well, people from Africa and Asia and the Middle East and parts of Europe, they all gather in Jerusalem. And the reason that they're there is for a celebration, to celebrate Pentecost. The celebration wherein the people of God gather to remember that God is a God who gives good gifts. And what happens is that God gives an amazing gift while they're gathered there with the apostles. And the gift was the Holy Spirit that descended upon the disciples in the image of fire that came down and rested upon them. Now, I just want to pause here for a minute and back up a little bit on the timeline so that you can track what's happening in the story. So 50 days prior to this event, Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and then he was raised to life in the resurrection. Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days following his resurrection. And then the disciples watched Jesus, the Son of God, ascend back into heaven. And then 10 days later, they watched the Spirit of God descend and rest upon them. So at this point, we are 50 days removed from Jesus' resurrection. What they're able to do, what the disciples are able to do as a result of this descending of the Holy Spirit is that they are enabled and empowered to communicate the good news of Jesus to everyone that's gathered there, regardless of language differences. They're able to do this miraculously. They're able to speak to Egyptians and Cappadocians, which is in Greece. They're able to speak to Arabs and to Persians, to North African Libyans. They're all able to hear the story of God's love in their own language. And how did this happen? Because God gave another gift in that moment. He gave the gift of his Holy Spirit. And in the moment when people were gathered to remember and celebrate the generosity of our gift-giving God, God shows up by giving the gift of himself through the power and presence of his Holy Spirit. And the reason he gives this gift is so that people might come to know him and worship him more faithfully and fully. The gift of God's presence, it wasn't just for the disciples. It was 
for everyone that was gathered there. Because God's freedom and his love and the light that is found in him, it wasn't just for the disciples, and it's never been for just a select group of people. God's gifts were always intended for all of humanity, but required faith in the giver of the gift, not faith in the gift itself. However, this, this, this international and diverse gathering that we see in Acts 2, this actually isn't the first time that we witness this. God shows up and gives unexpected gifts in a few different places, but there's one precedent that was set generations prior to this, but in many ways was the anti-Pentecost that sets up what takes place in Acts 2. It's the opposite of Pentecost and actually sets up the miracle of Pentecost. This is way back in Genesis. In Genesis 11, there's a story about how a tower is being built in a land called Babel. Genesis 11, verse 1, Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And people moved eastward. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Verse 3, They came, uh, they said to each other, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. You see, what's happening here is that the peoples have gathered in Babel and they're using their gathering, their, their ingenuity, their creativity, and their collective effort to make a name for themselves. Stick with me here because I'm not going to go too deep in the passage, but I want to set the story for you. In Genesis 10, just a chapter prior, we have a chapter that's often referred to as the table of nations. And what's chronicled in chapter 10 are the places where Noah's sons, following the flood, where Noah's sons settle. And it goes on to chronicle the nations. And whenever you hear nations in the Bible, don't think of nation states. It's actually ethnic groups. It's ethnos is how we translate it in Greek. Where the, where the nations, the ethnos, that developed through the generations from Noah's son. And it goes on to say where those nations, where those groups settled. And in Genesis 10, there's a phrase that continues to get repeated over and over, and it's this phrase. Their territories by their clans with their nations, remember ethnos, ethnic groups, each with its own language, their clans with their own language and their territories and nations, their clans and their languages and their territories and their nations. And this is what's happening in Genesis 10. You have this diversity that's beginning to spread out. And then in Genesis 11, they gather together. And the reason that they gather, the purposes for their gathering is to remember themselves and to place their, themselves at the center of the story. In contrast to whenever God gathers, it's to remember him and his work. What happens in Babel is this diverse group has begun to gather, not to celebrate the Lord, but to celebrate themselves, and they remade God in their image rather than remembering that they were made in God's image. And the way that they began to worship themselves was to erect a tower that was to stretch to heaven. Their aim was to get to heaven by their own hand and their own work. And this tower built in the midst of their gathering was an Ebenezer to their own ingenuity and their own creativity and their own self-reliance and security. It was the opposite of a tower meant to remember the promises of God, but a tower to remember the greatness of themselves. And in his mercy, God steps in and stops the project and he scatters the people. Verse 8, so the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth 
and they stopped building the city. And that's why it was called Babel. This is actually where we get the word. Like, it's just like babbling. It's because of the language. Because the Lord confused the language of the whole world, and from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. In Genesis 10, the nations are identified. Genesis 11, they gather and erect a structure to themselves. And then in Genesis 12, this is when God calls Abraham, one of the forefathers of the Jewish and Christian faith, and God says that through him, he will gather those that are scattered back to himself. And when they gather again, they will worship him, and they will be scattered as messengers of him. So stepping back into Acts 2 for a minute, for the Jews and the Jewish converts that are gathered in Jerusalem for Pentecost, they know this Genesis story. They know about the Tower of Babel uh, and when from diverse backgrounds, they spoke the same language and gathered to worship themselves. And they also know that there was a scattering and a confusing, a, a confusing of the languages and all of it stemmed from a neglect of worshiping God and putting God first. So they, they know that story. And what happens at Pentecost in Acts 2 is actually a right setting of all that went wrong in Genesis 11. And what was set in motion in Genesis 12 and the arc of redemption history. In Acts 2, you have those that were scattered to the four corners of the world. They're gathering again, but this time they're not building a tower up to God, but God comes down to them in the form of the Spirit. This time they don't have to speak one common language because God speaks their language. Through the Holy Spirit's power and the Apostle Peter, Pentecost is the culmination of what God had been doing since the book of Genesis, of gathering his diverse family so that they might remember that he is the God who saves and who gives good gifts. This is what's happening in Acts 2. It's the long redemptive arc of God throughout the entire Bible. Let us not say that God is slow in coming. He is always at work, even when we don't always see it. But God's story of gathering, it, it doesn't just start with Genesis and then end with Acts. It moves forward. In Revelation, we see another gathering that looks remarkably like Genesis 11 and looks remarkably like Acts 2, but it has its own fulfillment in it. We covered some of this in our Revelation series last year. So this might sound familiar for some of you, but in the book of Revelation, the author John gives a peek into the kingdom to come. He's able to see into eternity, and one of the things that he sees there is another multi-ethnic diverse gathering, and what they're doing as they're gathered is they are remembering the goodness and greatness of God. In Revelation 7, verse 9, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation. Remember ethnos, every ethnic group, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches. Do you remember the last time we saw palm branches in the New Testament? When Jesus entered Jerusalem to lay on the cross for our behalf, but they're waving palm branches now, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to us. No, it's not what they said. That's what they said in Genesis, but now they're saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And this time, those that are gathered, they aren't building a tower to themselves, and neither are they worshiping their own accomplishments. And they aren't gathered at a temple in Jerusalem either. Rather, they are gathered finally around the throne of God, worshiping Him, remembering what God has done, and that salvation belongs to Him for our behalf. In Genesis, we see where gathering went wrong when we begin to worship ourselves and center ourselves in the story. In Revelation, we see the purest picture of gathering rightly when we worship God at the center of our stories. And in between these bookends is Acts. 
So returning to, to Acts, uh, the celebration of Pentecost that's there, the Holy Spirit, it's, he settles on the disciples who are then able to preach to the crowd. And miraculously, they're, they're understood by everyone despite the language barriers. And the Bible says that um, as a result of their faithful preaching and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that thousands uh, turn to Christ and begin to follow him. There's this sort of pattern that plays out in the rest of Acts 2 where it says that people then turn from worshiping themselves or turn from worshiping things other than God and they begin to follow Jesus. They, they repent is the language of the Bible. People turn towards following Jesus. They turn away from working to secure their healing and salvation by their own hand. They turn away from the sins of Babel that said, put me and myself at the center and began placing the work of God at the center of their lives. And then people uh, were then uh, that, then turned towards Jesus, they were marked by baptism. And just a, a quick note about this. In a couple of weeks, we will celebrate baptism here. And if you've not been baptized, I, I just want to say, don't let anything stop you. Some of you may say, I've been following Jesus for, for a long time, and it just feels like, I don't do, do I really need that? It's, it's, it's as much for your community of faith as it is for you. For us to remember our own baptism by seeing you be baptized. Don't let fear or embarrassment stop you. Some of you have been following Jesus not for quite, for not very long at all. So you, you, you may think, well, maybe I don't know enough theology or I don't even know things yet. Like, let me learn some more and then, and then I'll be baptized. That's actually not how it works. Just, can I just, I'm going to confess something to you. There are times still when I have to look in the table of contents for the books of the Bible. I, just, I have degrees in Bible. Now let me tell you why. When, um, when I was in junior high school, uh, and I started, uh, you know, as a teenager, started to really begin to kind of learn my faith, um, the way that I learned the books of the Bible, some of the staff know this, um, was I learned it through a rap. Genesis, your Exodus and Numbers, two Leviticus and Deuteronomy for you. Anybody? <laughs> My homeboy Joshua and Judges, don't you leave our root guy, Kings and Sam. It's better than strawberry jam. <laughs> so I learned the books of the Bible through this rap. Some of you are like, stay in your, stay in your lane, Watson. <laughs> Getting a little, a little sideways. But I learned through the books of the Bible. And the thing was, I found out later the books weren't always in the same order because they switched it up because it didn't flow right. So they had to, so I still have to figure out. I still don't know whether it's Haggai or Zechariah or Zechariah or Haggai. I'm your pastor and there's still, don't let what you don't know keep you from saying yes to baptism. It is not how much faith you have. It's the object of your faith that saves you. It is not even the strength or the longevity, or the breadth, or the depth of your faith that saves you. It's the object, and the object is Christ. When the Holy Spirit came and they proclaimed the good news of Christ, people repented. They turned towards Jesus and began following him, and they marked that repentance by baptism. And then following their baptism, there were a whole host of things that these new followers of Jesus put themselves to. They, they, they began the process of discipleship. Acts lays out what that meant for them. In 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They, they studied God's word and the implications for their lives. 
They intertwined their lives with the lives of other believers. They shared meals and communion together, and they prayed. Basic steps to discipleship, and frankly, basic steps and components to a Christ City small group. There were other things, though, that also resulted in Pentecost. There were signs and wonders. People were prayed over, and they were healed. Things that had, had gotten their grips into them, the ways that the enemy had gotten his, his talents into them, they were freed from those things miraculously by testimony of the believer. We miss this so often, I think. I, I miss this. Let me just own it. That I'm so quick to employ medical models and therapeutic models which are necessary because the church has run away from those in history past. There's also spiritual tools that we have to bring about healing and deliverance of people. Let us not neglect these things. They were present in the, in the first church. Let, them, let us see them. Forgive us, Lord, for underutilizing the spiritual power that we have. And then there was also an abiding care for the poor. There was another economic system that they embraced. You see, the church that radiates out from Pentecost began to share lavishly economically with one another, and they made sure that everybody had what they needed. The thing that continues is that the story of Pentecost is the story of the Holy Spirit coming down and he calls the people to Christ and what we see emerge is the birth of the church. We see in Acts 2 the, the gathering of the church and what we see in the rest of Acts is the spread of the church. The people gathered in Jerusalem, they came from far-flung places and they began to carry the message that they heard back to those places. The church spread through economic tram lines and through relational connections and through miraculous moves, through persecution. And the church was unstoppable because it had been birthed in the inception of the Spirit as they gathered to remember the promises of God and then carried those promises to the places in which they had been scattered. Because our scattering is always meant for us to be ambassadors and storytellers into the places where we live and dwell until the day when we're all finally gathered together. It was a scattering so that the story of gathering, of gift, giving God gathering, could be shared with others. Um, as Ife shared, in, actually in a, today is the birthday of the church. A couple of months is actually the birthday of Christ City, but we'll take them both. We come up on our first year, our one year as Christ City Church, but our fifth year as people who have been regularly gathering, having started out as a location of the district church. And I want to remind us here on this day about, about why we were started. To remember that the, that the reason that God scatters is so that we can be messengers in places that are, that are in need to hear that there is a God who loves them and who gives good gifts. That's, that's why we were started. That's any reason why God might scatter us is so that we can be storytellers, so that we can be messengers to this neighborhood and other neighborhoods, that there is a God who loves them and who gave himself for them and looks to gather them for himself. Let me tell you, 10 years from now for Christ City Church, what I want you to know is this, is that our church will grow and it will shrink. That we will grow by God's grace so that people can, as people hear this message that we share of the good news of Jesus, and it will grow numerically. But there will come a day where we will shrink because there will be other neighborhoods 
that are saying, we need, we need a place to gather. And we like what's happening on A Street, but it's too far for us. Or it's not our neighborhood. And the reason why we will scatter, the reason why we will continue to plant churches is the same reason why God scatters. So that there can be embedded in neighborhoods that will be faithful proclaimers of a God who will one day gather us all together. So let's remember that and let's celebrate and consider what our role is in the gathering and scattering nature of God. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this gathering, for pulling us together, for adopting us into your family, for calling us daughters and sons. I thank you for the ways that you poured out your spirit in Acts 2. And God, I tell you, I, 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 wanna, I want you to pour it out now. I want you to pour it out in me. God, I, I ache and long to see the power of your spirit come in my life and in the life of my friends that are gathered in this room. I pray, Spirit, for, for the same kind of deliverance and healing that those in our forefathers and foremothers in, in Acts 2 experienced. I pray for the same boldness and courage that I see the disciples in sharing their story of what Jesus has done for them and in them and what God has been doing throughout history, I, I pray for that same spirit-emboldened prophetic word to come from my mouth and the mouths of my friends that are gathered in this room. I pray that we might hear the message of, of adoption and embrace and invitation. God, I pray that we would be ever and always a people that gathers and scatters and gathers and scatters. But when we gather, it's not to make a name for ourselves. But we gather to remember what you have done throughout history, throughout our histories, what you've done in us and what you're doing through us, that we gather to remember you. And God, I pray that you would scatter us. That we would that we would be scattered as those sent out, as those commissioned out to be agents of, of healing and proclamation, to be agents of prophetic witness, displaying God's love and His mercy and His justice. So God, I pray that you would find us, even as we're here on this side of Acts, but on the other side of Revelation, God, I pray that you would guide us and lead us we would see people come to faith to begin following you to gather to remember and then to be scattered to be ambassadors on this day we say thank you and we say come Holy Spirit in the name of the God who gives good gifts in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen.